Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. We are a multi-site church based in the Bay Area and online. You can find more information by going to brave.church. Now, thanks for joining us. We hope this talk helps you find and follow Jesus. Hey everyone, my name is Samuel Laws. I'm the lead pastor of Brave Church, and I want to welcome everyone at all of our campuses, San Ramon, Dublin, online. We love you. Hey, today we're continuing where we left off last week as the early church is dealing with some problems, okay? But this time, instead of an enemy from outside the church, they faced problems from within. Last week, we looked at a first principle that helped the church through a difficult situation, The concept of first principles was made popular in Silicon Valley, and it's this idea that when you're not sure what to do, and your team isn't unified, and there's there's this set of agreed-upon principles that you can come back to. These principles can help us navigate our way through really difficult seasons. So throughout the book of Acts, we find first principles that helped this young movement thrive in the most challenging times. And these weren't just helpful for them way back when, they're helpful for our church today. Biblical first principles can give us grounding in chaos, clarity in confusion, truth to stand on, and confidence in the unknown. When you don't know what to do, you can come back to first principles in scripture and find your way forward. So today we're going to look at another one that has huge implications for our church, but also for our lives. I learned this principle the hard way. I was 22 years old, and a few years before that, some friends and I had planted a church in college, and this season was exciting, but it also took its toll. Even with all the energy and the passion that we had being in our early 20s, it was still a lot of work. And then from there, I ended up over at a church that I felt called to in Thousand Oaks, leading a youth ministry. Uh, It was an incredible season. I was single and just throwing everything I had into the youth program. I loved the students, they loved me, and God was moving. In fact, in a six-month period, we saw 100 students give their lives to Jesus. I was on campus showing, uh, going to all the games, speaking at FCA events, and our youth put on uh, these huge monthly events, like the ones we do here at Brave, called Rally Nights. In fact, we've got one coming up October 17th, so, so shout out to Brave Youth. We'll see you guys at rally night, but back to the story. It was this really exciting season, okay? And it was also, at the same time, really stressful because success can be traumatic, especially when it happens quickly. And growth can create all kinds of unforeseen problems and challenges that you just don't see coming. I remember feeling so much pressure to be everywhere and do everything and pull it all off. Sometimes I would get up to speak knowing I really wasn't prepared, but I didn't know what else to do. There was so much that needed to be done, so much that needed to be organized and planned. Then I'll never forget this one day. I was was off work and I decided to drive to the beach. I have Mondays off. Most people didn't have Mondays off. The students were in school, so I was by myself. And I just sat there on the beach for a while. And then this thought popped into my head, this realization. I had been sitting there for probably an hour and I hadn't even heard the sound of the waves. They were there coming and going, but I was so overwhelmed, I wasn't even hearing them. In fact, we had a youth event at the beach, we had bonfires, we had all kinds of stuff that we did at the beach, yet I couldn't remember the last time I heard the waves. I was on the verge of burnout. 
Time off was no longer restful or refueling. I wasn't productive. As exciting as the results of the ministry were, my passion was decreasing and it was harder for me to feel as emotional about the things that really mattered. I even started getting more cynical towards people and situations. Have you ever felt like that? Maybe you've been fully burnt out or on the verge and you started noticing some of these signs. The thing about my situation was I was doing a lot of the right things, okay? My, my burnout wasn't because I was in the wrong role or because I didn't have a healthy routine. I had a daily devotion time. I had a full day off once a week. I rested. I took care of my soul. I was doing all these things. No, I was on the verge of burnout because though I was called to serve people, the way I was doing it wasn't sustainable. I was doing so much myself, but what God began to show me was that even though I was willing to do everything, that's not what he asked me to do. It's not what he wanted me to do. In trying to do so much myself, I was burning out and on a path to helping no one. And not only that, like like a ball hog, I, I was taking the opportunities away from others so that they couldn't get in the game. I needed to not just know and understand, but to live by the truth of today's principle. The title of today's talk and our first principle that we see in this passage is that it takes a team. It takes a team. This principle that we see in our passage was, was one that the early church had to learn very early on. Turn to the person next to you and say, it takes a team. It takes a team. Okay, Acts 6, 1 through 7. Let's get into our passage if you want to follow along. Here we go. In those days... When the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So in Jewish society, they had a system to help the needy widows. Probably the isolation that resulted when these people were becoming Christians made them uh, less accessible, right? These sources of provision that they had put in place uh, weren't as easy to access because people, some people didn't like that they were becoming Christians. Grecian widows were particularly needy as they weren't native Judeans and they didn't have relatives to care for them. Also, a lot of older couples would come to Jerusalem where they wanted to die and be buried. So however the root cause of the problem mentioned in the text, uh, what we see here is that an increase in number was what was really what was thrusting this to the surface. So in a growing movement, it's easy to miss some people, okay? It's easy for some things to slip through the cracks. The Old Testament has clear and specific regulations to ensure that widows, orphans, and immigrants are not overlooked. But the early church didn't have systems for this. The first thing we see here and the first thing that we can learn about why it takes a team is number one, there will be problems that we can't solve alone. There will be problems that we can't solve alone. Sometimes these problems even surface because good things are happening. It was a good thing that the early church was growing. This was what Jesus intended for his church, for it to grow and spread and reach out to every single person on earth. This was a good thing. But what we see in our passage is even the most beautiful roses come with thorns. See, maybe you can relate to good things creating problems in your life. Like, have you ever prayed for something and then you got it and you didn't know what to do with it? (laughs) Maybe you prayed for a business uh, to grow or for a new role at work and then you got it and you had no idea the responsibility that it came with. Maybe it led to some problems to solve that you've never faced before. Maybe you prayed for your family to grow, but, but then you had one or two kids and nothing really prepares you for that life. I just remember going to dinner with friends who had kids 
I didn't have any kids. I just remember thinking, this is so annoying. We can't even finish a conversation. Now we go to dinner and our kids are that problem. Thank God for a healthy youth ministry with babysitters, okay? But maybe when you came to Brave, you were here when we were a small church and you loved this community just the way you found it. But then you started serving and, and praying for people to find Jesus and inviting your friends and God started answering our prayers. The next thing you know, it's not the same church as the one you first joined. Things are different now. Maybe there are even some needs that were easier to meet before, but the growing pains have created some disappointment. I'll never forget an email we received once. It was a very kind email, and the heart behind it was good. But what happened is we had hosted a special event one Sunday. Um, Derek Carr, Team Braves QB, shout out. Uh, He was preaching the gospel And so many people came to know Jesus. It was incredible. We had a service out on the lawn in San Ramon. It was this huge tent that we were under. It felt like a revival. Thousands of people came out. It was a powerful day. But a family that had been at Brave for many years didn't have the best experience. Some things from the kids program were miscommunicated and there were expectations that just weren't met. And so on one hand, you had like 100 people finding Jesus in a single day. And on the other hand, You had a family frustrated and dealing with their disappointed toddler. The truth is, when I read that email, the first thing I wished I could do was make it right. I wish there was something that I could do that I could have jumped in and fixed the the whole experience for them. But as a leader, yeah, I can help, but the solution wasn't me. It was a team. It takes a team. Some scholars believe that these widows not being cared for wasn't just about the quick growth that had happened. It was actually the result of pre-Christian prejudices, that the Hebraic Jews were looking down on the Gratians. But whatever the reason, whether it was simply the growth, which is the reason that we see, you know, pointing to in the text, or growth and prejudices, the problem to solve was complaining. The word used for complaining is the same word used against Moses in the desert. The church was in danger of splitting over this issue. This new and powerful movement was already facing the threat of dividing. Think about this. I'm not sure if you've had any bad church experiences or seen people divide over issues, okay? We're only in Acts 6 and already we've almost seen the first church split. This was a problem that needed to be solved. And they couldn't solve this problem alone. Why? It takes a team. So what did they do? Verse two, it says, so the 12 gathered all the disciples together. Now let's pause there for a moment and notice. It's important to point out that this wasn't just Peter deciding. It wasn't just their lead pastor making the call. It was a team that paused and faced the problem together. And so here's what they decided. It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Um, I love that they didn't focus on the complaining. I mean, they didn't even talk about it. Even though we know it was such a serious situation that the church could have split over it. They didn't lament about, how did we get here? What are we going to do? God, how are you letting this happen to your church? Or why aren't they appreciating us? Don't they see all the stuff that we're doing? Don't they see the sacrifices that we're making? No, they didn't do that. What did they do? 
They skipped the drama and they solved the problem. The apostles didn't give any attention to the complaining attitude toward their leadership. This was a real problem. But the best way to silence the doubts about prejudices and the complaining was to do something about it. See, sometimes the best thing you can do with complaints is simply fix the problem. Not analyze it, overthink it, have a bunch of meetings about it. No, just fix it. So the apostles made a proposal which turned out to be a very good idea. It pleased all the people and it didn't just avert a serious crisis. It also led the church to take a significant leap forward in how it was organized. God brings order to chaos and good organization brings blessing. The only way to solve this problem was to reorganize. Uh, we might be tempted to think that this is just practical. Oh, oh it's, it's just good leadership. No, it's actually more than that. It's theological. It's a first principle that shows us how God works. Jesus, the son of God, Messiah and king of kings, the greatest there ever was, the most capable human being to ever walk the earth and the God of this universe chose to accomplish his mission through a team. It takes a team. If Jesus needed a team, how much more do we need a team? So number two, we all need help to move past our limitations. We all need help to move past our limitations. One of the really profound things about this situation is that the immediate solution was to broaden the circle. It was to build a team. It wasn't a better system or a better way of doing what they were already doing. It wasn't that, you know, one of the apostles just wasn't carrying the weight, like he just really needed to step up or something. No, the solution was more leaders. The apostles had limitations. They had the same amount of hours in a day as everyone else. But the burden of responsibility was bigger than their ability to keep up. Have you ever found yourself overcommitted? Okay, like maybe you committed to something and even right after you committed to it, you knew this was a mistake. <laughs> like, what did I just do? What did I get myself into? I did this recently, um, about a month ago. Uh, I thought it was a good idea to offer to cover the girls all by myself for a few days so that my wife, Marcy, could go to this kids ministry conference. Um, I knew it would mean a lot to her. She was really excited about it. You know, she's, she's currently serving in our central kids role for our campuses. And so it, it just seemed like a good thing to do, right? It seemed like the right thing to do. But in reality, how was I ever going to survive for two and a half days by myself with a baby, a one-year-old, and a two-year-old? By the way, uh, I think it's more concerning that she wasn't concerned of how I would do that. But let's just, let's not even go there, okay? So, so last weekend, the trip rolls around. And let's just say she really believed in me. <laughs> so she leaves in the afternoon, and, and I've got to get the girls from preschool at four. So what did I do? The first night, I took them straight to Nana and Grandpa's house. I helped feed them dinner, got them settled in, and then I left and had a guy's night because <laughs> it takes a team. <laughs> the next day was Friday. I brought them to preschool after I picked them up from school. I took them to dinner where the owners of the restaurant are like family because I knew they would help me. It takes a team. Then I got them home and knowing that the key is to avoid a one-on-three moment at all costs, okay? So I put on Disney Plus for the older two while I got the baby to bed. Thank you, Disney Plus. It takes a team. In the morning, my sister-in-law came over. We, we fed them breakfast. We split up the kids between us. I bathed them. Then we put on a little more Disney Plus. It takes a team. The next thing you know, it's nap time. Before long, we've cleaned the house. Mama's home. We all survived. Honestly, what could have been a nightmare ended up being a great weekend because I didn't try to do it alone. 
Okay, maybe I could have pulled it off, but why just barely survive when you could thrive? That would have been stressful for Marcy, um, no fun for the kids, and I wouldn't have been able to bring my best to our church that Sunday. See, sometimes we try to do more than we can because we feel like we need to prove something. Sometimes we do it because we're afraid of asking for help or we think that we'll be judged or viewed as weak. Sometimes we simply don't understand the importance of having a team. So who's on your team? Who's walking through life with you? Who's lightening your load? Who's giving you good advice and wisdom and insight? Who's holding you accountable so you don't veer off the rails? One of the things that we say here at Brave is that we're not a crowd, we're a community. We're in this together. God never meant for living for him to be a solo journey. And this is also true when it comes to the vision that God has given our church. It takes a team. Later on in the New Testament, we see a structure that emerges for people who serve in roles just like this called deacons or deaconesses. And this is a position of serving others. At Brave, we call these coordinators or, or team members. We have many men and women who serve in significant roles that help Team Brave serve so many people. They come alongside our pastors and directors and they help spread out the load so that everyone can be served. And you know what's interesting here is the first people given a title were chosen not to teach, but for practical service. They didn't need more teachers. They already had teachers. They had the apostles. What they needed was people who could serve so that the needs would be met. And I love this because I think it points to the heart of Jesus to serve people. One of, one of my coaches has a phrase that I really like. He says, we choose towels over titles. The purpose of leadership is to serve people. It's not about a title. If I tell people my title, it's for two reasons, to, to create clarity around what I do and so that, or so that they can know how I can best serve them. It's not a badge of accomplishment. I don't find my value in a title. If that were the case, I would introduce myself as Marcy's husband or Mia and Juliana's dad. But man, where we live, if anything, telling someone that you're a pastor takes bravery because the odds are they don't respect it. I mean, this is the Bay Area, people. You tell someone you're a pastor and they look at you like you're the worst kind of car salesman. <laughs> it's not about the title. It's about the towel. We choose towels over titles. The night before his journey to the cross would begin, Jesus was days away from receiving all power. Okay, in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Knowing this would happen, what did he do before his last meal with his disciples? He took a towel and he washed their feet. Our leader took all his status and all of his power to wash people's feet. When we commit to a team, we learn firsthand how to serve others the way that Jesus did. This is where we're confronted with the part of our hearts that struggles to love others. It's where our motives are challenged. On a team, our limitations come to the surface and we're humbled and we're given the ability to grow. This is how we move past our limitations. When we see all the different ways that God designed us to be better together, it takes a team. Let's continue, verse five. It says, this proposal pleased the whole group. And then it goes on to list some people that they chose that were full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. It says, they presented them to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. And what was the outcome of this new team? It says, so the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient 
to the faith. Number three, together we can live the life we were made for. We can live the life that we were made for. The point here isn't a separation of sacred and secular. That distinction doesn't even exist in the Bible. It's not that prayer and teaching are more important than pastoring and serving. This doesn't mean helping your neighbor move something or bringing someone a meal or taking in the garbage cans for a friend is less spiritual than laying hands on someone or delivering a message. I think it's really important that we don't misinterpret this passage. See, Jesus washed his disciples' feet. That's a sermon that he lived. The teachings Jesus lived had just as much impact as his words. This isn't about what's more valuable. It's the principle of team. It takes a team. The apostles had a calling to evangelize the world, and that was their primary calling. They had, a, they had to prioritize for the good of the mission to do the things that they had been most called, gifted, and chosen to do. What has God called you to do? I wonder if there are things on your plate right now that are weighing you down because they're actually not for you. Maybe someone else is more called to those things. At Brave, we recently installed campus pastors and because we recognize that this moment, as God is growing our church, there are a lot of people crying out for help. You have no idea the amount of calls, texts, messages, emails that come in every single week from people who are going through really hard stuff right now. I can't say specifics because I wanna respect their privacy, but, but here's what's so amazing. God has given us the team to serve our church well. God has given us pastors, directors, coordinators, leaders, so that the word of God may spread. Uh, I can't teach and cast vision for our church without our campus pastor's availability to pastor our community. For some of you listening, you're hearing this message and you're thinking about maybe an area that you feel stuck, where where you haven't reorganized enough or figured things out. What if what's missing is a team? What if the reason that you're not experiencing the life that you were made for is you don't have the right people around you? See, maybe your life, maybe your life team needs a reorg. Maybe you need some new people or maybe God's brought you the right people, but you need a new posture. Are you receiving all that God could give you through the people that he's placed around you? Ephesians 4, 16 It says, from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Like the human body on every team, there are different parts with different roles and different responsibilities. And when the right people get in the right position, the team becomes more powerful. This is what every great team does. Great teams divide the tasks and it multiplies their success. God has gifted each person to play their part as a team member. When we all step into our place together, we accomplish so much more and we can actually become the church that God dreams for us to become. It doesn't matter if it's serving or speaking, it takes a team. In your life, if you want to experience everything that you were made for, it takes a team. In church life, for the word of God to spread, for people to find and follow Jesus, it takes a team. This week, I wanna leave you with a challenge. Look at your life and ask yourself, who's on my team? Do I have the right people around me? And if you do, have you postured yourself to receive, to receive all that God wants to give you through others? I wanna pray for you. If you'd bow your heads and join me, let's pray. God, I pray right now for every person that is listening. And God, I just pray that 
that they would be so encouraged that what you've called them to and what you wanna do in their life is not meant to be done alone, not meant to be done in our own strength, not even just meant to be done in your strength, but also through the strength of others. And so God, I pray um, that we would be so encouraged that, that your heart for us is to be surrounded by people that can cheer us on and help us reach the potential that you've, you have called us to, but also to serve others and to impact our community and our world in such a powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for the Brave Church podcast. If this ministry is impacting you, please consider giving to support what God is doing through our church. For questions or to get connected, please visit brave.church. We'll see you next week.